They drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took them in. For the last six months, we've been working with each of the six great historic traditions of the Christian faith. Vessels that God has been using to interact with humanity, entry points of sorts, the streams as we've come to call them. We started each month with an interview with my father, Richard Foster, author of the classic book that outlines these traditions. It's titled Streams of Living Water. And today marks the conclusion of those interviews with a brief look at the social justice tradition, discovering the compassionate life. I think it's safe to say there's a profound and seemingly growing lack of compassion in our world today. Compassion for the other, the marginalized and disenfranchised. It's so important to pull our attention away from ourselves and not to get lost in the challenges of issues. Of course, they're complicated and nuanced, but above competing interests, corporate and political agendas, do remember, it's about people. The life of Jesus and the history of the church presents a clear biblical mandate for the people of God to be known for their love. Oh, how I ache for Christians in our society to be known for love, to be a people who easily and readily love our neighbor well, and people who care for widows and orphans, sick and imprisoned, the poor and oppressed. I hope in this interview you hear a vision of possibility, ways and means of expanding the roles and intersections we find ourselves in as we interact with the world around us. Oh, to clearly hear and obey the invitation Jesus offers us all today to follow Messiah into the brokenness, messiness, and tragedy of our world. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. We get to talk about the social justice tradition. Hey, Nate, it's good to see you and good to talk about this important topic. Yes, important and difficult. Difficult. There are issues that people of good conscience end up on different sides, you know, different ways. Mm -hmm. But if we understand the compassionate life that we can give freedom and, uh, you know, liberty for people to respond differently uh, to issues, uh, if they keep in mind that it is a compassionate life that we're after. And, and in, in this, you know, the two great commandments that Jesus gave us, the white-hot love for God and the love of neighbor. And the social justice stream is working with the second of those two commandments. But we, we can never forget the first because uh, uh, social justice 
can can get rigid and can get mean-spirited if we don't keep in mind that this deep love for God that leads us into compassion for our neighbor is uh, is what uh, what impels us and and guides us and uh, the old writers uh, uh, the other term they used for the social justice stream was social righteousness that is a right living in the you know society in society in in the culture in uh, yeah and that's the idea and that i mean there's something i like find really helpful just in the idea of this tradition that life with god is not just me doing things right or interacting it there's a communal piece that goes beyond the walls of my church exactly one of the great dangers of of thinking about all this stuff is that we're only thinking of pious exercises for the devout we're thinking way beyond that and it goes into the relationship and it's so practical because we're talking about you know the neighbor really the neighbor you know the person down the street the you know the person we work with that's a neighbor neighbor the person who is near us so that's what uh, that's what the social justice stream works on hey hey at the beginning can i give just a a, a verse to for people to sort of hang their hats on you you can give two <laughs> well let me give one i think it helps if people just keep it in mind and it's from the old testament amos chapter 5 verse 24 it's a famous passage but amos is one of the great social justice uh books in the prophetic literature and uh the the passage is let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream and that's where the idea of uh of uh, social righteousness uh stems from and let justice roll down now justice mishpat in hebrew it means this sense of uh, of uh, fairness of wholeness of watching out for uh, the neighbor, uh, the sojourner, the the person in need, uh, the compassionate life, in other words, uh, is uh, is brought out in a verse like that. So, if people can just, you know, have that in their minds as they think about uh, about that, mm-hmm. and there is a sense of when fairness righteousness goodness happens we all just know instinctively it's just good and that's exactly right there, just i mean sing our souls sing when we see it that's right i mean there are complicated issues and so forth but but in 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 ordinary life we can we can know pretty well you know uh and and like you say uh, the good, the true, the beautiful, it shines when social justice uh, really functions. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, when the issue of love of neighbor came up, I mean, when Jesus gave that and the lawyer said, well, who is my neighbor? 
Now, see, it's so important to see the cultural context there because he, the lawyer, thought the neighbor was the cultural equivalent. That was the view of that day. It's kind of the view today, too. But the idea (laughs) that the person who's like me, the person who dresses like me, the person who has the same ideas and same beliefs, that's my neighbor. And Jesus, of course, turned that completely on its head when he gave the story of the Good Samaritan, because the Samaritan was the despised, the one who wasn't the cultural equivalent. And this person becomes the one who provides social justice, that is, compassionate life, social righteousness. Uh, to function. And so that's that's so helpful in our thinking. And, and of course, Jesus makes it just uh, in the most simple, stark terms that uh, this despised Samaritan, who's culturally not my, my person, is the one who shows the compassionate life. You bring up a really good point in that. Do you think the first two people in the story, if if the person in need had looked like them, been from their tribe, do you think they would have turned a blind eye? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. The The key piece in that is it's the other. This is a person other right. than... Uh, the, it, the, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's not... It's not difficult to care for your people. (laughs) Exactly. Now, Paul also brings this up uh, in his uh, wonderful statement in Colossians. I just want to read it. He says, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, I especially like this passage because in it, Paul includes the Scythian. Now, the Scythian was the barbarian's barbarian. Uh, They they often called him wild beasts. There's Jew and Greek. Well, maybe the Greeks don't, uh, you know, um, eat with the right fork or something. Then there's the barbarian. That's that's the person, the wild person out there. But then there's the Scythian, who's even worse and, you know, totally other. And, and Paul brings that in and, and helps us see that the compassionate life, the love of neighbor, involves even the Scythian. Would Scythian have been an enemy? Uh, probably see that's of course Jesus brings that in the Sermon on the Mount. He brings that concept of loving that goes beyond our cultural equivalent uh, when he says, "Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you." So, so this is the sort of nth degree of understanding the neighbor. Hmm. And it's a challenge for all of us. I don't think anybody is can just say, oh, I've got that one down. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. Sometimes the enemy is in our own home or, in, you know, I mean, there's 
there's uh, a lot of issues that uh, come right down. I mean, it isn't just a national or international or, you know, big issue. It's, it's also issues in a school board, in a, in a neighborhood, you know, so forth. Give me the picture of some of the biblical concerns related to these issues. Oh, well, I mean, that, that, that great word, mishpat, which means justice, which means fairness. Well, take, for example, the laws of gleaning in the Old Testament. Uh, what it was was a, a farmer leaves a grain along the edges so that the poor could uh, have something to eat. Don't think of, of the Bible as just this uh, book of, of instructions so that it covers every issue. It gives us perspective. It gives us uh, its, its wisdom about how to live. And, uh, and so the law of gleaning, it's, it just helps us. We don't live, most of us, in an agrarian culture anymore. But can we find ways to leave things for people or whatever? I mean, we're constantly in the social justice stream working to interpret and apply these things to our context. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now, uh, like we've said, it, it involves complicated issues sometimes. You might think like uh, telling the truth is an easy issue. Uh, back when the uh, Quakers would hide slaves, and when people would come searching, ask if they have any slaves, <laughs> tell them. <laughs> he, they, what they did was, I don't know if it's the best answer, but they didn't give an answer. They just invited them to dinner and, uh, and uh, let them go. So, uh, you know, these, these can be difficult issues, but uh, that's part of what it means to live in the world, a social uh, context that involves, you know, relationships. And, uh, and that's part of our task in the social justice stream. There are, there are things that are... Uh, really unambiguous, at least in our context. Take, for example, racism. The the Christian, uh, there is no place for racial prejudice. And the rise that's going on today of white nationalism, that is is anti-Christian. That is far from the way of Jesus. And I think all who, who seek to be Disciples of Jesus can recognize that. Or anti-Semitism, for example. I mean, there are other times in history where those were real struggles. But I think that the Christian conscience has recognized. I mean, you know, some of the terrible anti-Semitic stuff going on today, that's not the way of Jesus. And we need to say so. Um, So, you know, things like that. But there are others that are more... 
complex, more um, nuanced. And there are people of, uh, of goodwill that come out differently on these matters. And, uh, and we need to give uh, a lot of grace and mercy. So there are issues that are unambiguous. It's very clear, these issues of justice and righteousness. And, and then there are issues that are a little mixed and yeah. some that are difficult and nuanced. Right. Things change historically. For example, I think we today would say that slavery is an unambiguous issue. I hope but we would. <laughs> in our past, though, that wasn't true. I mean, I, I studied uh, the Quaker attack on slavery. That was part of my doctoral dissertation. Mm-hmm. And so I read um, some of the debates about slavery uh, you know, uh, people arguing from the Bible and so on. But I think that it's clear today that that, that is not a way of compassion, the compassionate life. Uh, so, see, that's unambiguous. But there are mixed issues, and they we have to struggle with those. I've noticed this. There was a specific scenario where uh, at the university where I knew two people who stood on opposing sides of an issue. Both mm-hmm. of them felt like deeply were deeply convicted that it was a, a, an issue of justice. Mm-hmm. And both of them, I think my assessment was they were genuinely seeking God and trying to be obedient to that. Yet they came out on very different sides. How does that work? What do, what do we do with that? Aren't these things supposed to be clear? no uh, the truth of the matter is they aren't clear because life is unclear it's complicated and but we we keep before us the law of love as a way of helping us think through these matters Uh, And and love, let's don't have a mushy view of that. That's a well-reasoned concern for the well-being of everyone involved. And so if we will keep before us the law of love, James calls it the royal law, that uh, this well-reasoned concern for the well-being of everyone involved, it will help us to uh, to see our way through a lot of issues. You put the subtitle of this discovering the compassionate life. Mm-hmm. That word discovering jumps out to me. What yeah, do you mean well, by that? It's because, just like we said, it's not all laid out in a sort of system of casu- casuistry. Uh, like there's a there's a rule for every decision that we have to make. There are areas that are genuine conundrums. They have complicated histories and and difficulties, and uh, so we have to discover a right way and a right path through these things. So when we look at history, there have been a number of instances where people who would call themselves Christians stood on the wrong side of history. You mentioned slavery, and it's 
deeply disturbing to me how many Christians were fighting to preserve uh, uh, slavery. But also on the other side, all through history, Christians have stood on the right side of history in terms of advocating for the marginalized, disenfranchised. Could you talk a little bit about that um, thread through history? It's, It's so important to see when you use the word marginalized, disenfranchised. The biblical words would be things like the sojourner, the, you know, the, the person, the, the orphan, the widow. These are marginalized peoples and ways that a Christian conscience all through Christian history, some of the wonderful acts of charity and uh, uh, caring for the needy uh, came out of that, the caring uh, for for, uh, 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 social welfare, uh, the people who would be locked up and thrown away only because uh, of mental deficiencies. I I I write about John Woolman as the one who became the leader in dealing with the slave issue and how his... uh, Passion on both sides of the issue was so helpful and meaningful. I tell sometimes, I think I tell it in the book, that the time that he went down south and spoke at a church, and then his host had people serving, and a woman learned that they were slaves. And uh, this disturbed him, but he didn't want to offend his host. And so he waited until the middle of the night and he got up. And he wrote out a letter as to why he couldn't continue to stay and went to the slave quarters and paid them for their uh, service that they'd given him and and left. And uh, the next day, when the uh, head of the household discovered what had happened, he was so moved by that that he freed his slaves. Anyway, a woman did wonderful things. I, I talk about Dorothy Day. Think of her and the Catholic worker movement. And now see, for example, in her case, she took a very clear position that uh, that warfare and violence was not the way of Jesus. And uh, she had to deal with that all the way through some pretty difficult, even World War II and so on. So these become important persons that can speak to us today, though we face different issues. The needs in the world, there's so much suffering and spaces of great injustice. Uh, One, what should our response as Christians do? And how do we discern what to be involved in and what not? Well, the first thing is don't be frozen by the immense needs. We start somewhere. And remember, it's the compassionate life. It's the law of love that we're seeking to apply in the social justice stream. So we look for a situation that we can help with, and, uh, and, and we step into it. Um, we write. We, we 
speak, we we act, and th- these can be so 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 simple sometimes, just in uh, in an office complex, and uh, a context where where there's uh, injustice, we speak to that, uh, we stand up, and sometimes it will cost us, but that's okay. That's part of the deal. That's the social justice stream. So these things start very local, and my neighbor might actually be my neighbor living neighbor. next door. But but then also it extends to global issues and issues yeah. of and social right relationships in in organizations in uh, big corporations and laws. That is that. There, are, there can be laws that are uh, discriminatory, and we need to speak to those as we can and where we can. Certainly, it becomes very clear to me when we look around the world. And sometimes the the issues at home can be a little more nuanced, but it's there. And and do, do you think this is a a point of prayer for people in terms of discerning? Very, oh yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because. Through all of this, we learn to be prayerful about how compassion functions. And we watch ourselves to see if greed, for example, you take uh, corporations that uh, make large amounts of money, and uh, can they do that in a way in which they share with the workers? in a generous and good way, uh, and in a kind of prayerful spirit about our whole uh, enterprise in the world. To do no harm. Well, to to do those things that are life-giving and not Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. death-giving. Tell me, you know, we've talked about with the other streams, some of the ways where it goes out of bounds. What are some of the dangers or potential pitfalls with this stream? One of the great dangers is the tendency for the social justice uh, stream to become an end in itself. Uh, that is, it becomes the thing that we focus on, uh, and everything else falls away. We we must be aware that there's a whole world out there, that there's other traditions, uh, and and uh, you see. For example, the needs of the poor can become so overwhelming that we don't uh, care for our own uh, spiritual development and so forth. Another great danger is legalism. That's true for almost every one of these uh, traditions. The rigidity and judgmentalism uh, can become a a problem. And uh, another area is that... and, it, and this is particularly important today, um, that we become, in the social justice stream, you can become too closely identified uh, with any particular political agenda. And uh, we must watch out for that because, see, in the social justice stream, we are to commend the state when it does justice, when it does right things, and we must be able to critique the state when it fails to do that. And if you get too closely aligned 
with any uh, particular agenda, any particular uh, political party or anything like that, uh, then you've lost the ability to give a, give a Christian critique uh, when people have uh, gone in a, in a way that is not the way of Jesus. That's helpful. So you've, you've almost got dangers on two sides then. The one that you mentioned earlier of just become frozen, don't respond, it's so overwhelming. I mean, right. and, and in that one too, the kind of, uh, it's painful, it's difficult to be honest about some of the uh, horrendous things happening in our world. Uh, right. And and we don't necessarily want to look at that. So that there's the one danger, but then on the other end uh, of missing the point, realizing you know what's behind what we're doing, and that becomes a focus, and then a and then a legalism, or getting kind of sucked into the the machine and miss the big picture of right. what this right. is about. Preach it, brother! Mm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what what did Jesus do with this stream? Oh, he was very involved in social structures and caring for the uh, the needy. Now, remember, Jesus had a specific mission, so he did not do everything. But you can get a sense of his compassion for the downtrodden, the person that is on the outside. Think of the way Jesus approached and worked with women and, yeah. uh, and how that became a wonderful witness of social justice. <laughs> I heard recently the statement about the resurrection, the fact that it was revealed to women. It was one of the clearest signs of, uh, of the validity of the resurrection because if you were trying to create, uh, you know, make up something, that's the last thing you do is have a woman be women be the first witnesses to it because uh, legally they had no, you know, ability to mm-hmm. couldn't testify. They couldn't, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the great uh, arguments for the resurrection itself. Why didn't Jesus take on Rome? I mean, that was one of the most corrupt, organized states in history. Maybe that's too strong, but... No, no, that's about right. And the answer is that in there is a sense in which he did, that he planted the seeds that brought that kind of evil down. But not directly, not directly. Uh, we can't respond to everything. And Jesus, in his day, did not respond to everything. He simply, I mean, the the great social document is the Sermon on the Mount. And you really take a look at that, see where that leaves us. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful uh, prescription for the living out of the law of love mm-hmm. in human relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, two pieces that come to mind when I think of, of Jesus in this tradition. And and some of the things I like about reading the Gospels is 
observing the nuances or what's the words between the words, um, but the idea that he saw people. Exactly. And he was interruptible. Exactly. Take, for example, his uh, wonderful relationship with children. I mean, really now, especially in that day, children were, you know, were not to do any of those things that, uh, and Jesus welcomed them, used them as a, as a way of talking about the law of love and uh, become like this child, the kind of freedom and innocence and lifted up children. Isn't that wonderful? The sat upon, spat upon, ratted on, as Simon and Garfunkel put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that one? Love drew a circle. They drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took them in. Mm. I love it. And maybe, maybe that's a really simple way for us to begin discovering, uncovering, moving into the compassionate life, and that is to see people, to listen to people. And it's a wonder that that's just a wonderful thought to actually see a human being in the in the grocery store. To see the person who's checking out your items, oh my, just to see them and to actually say hello. <laughs> very small, very simple. Certainly doesn't preclude moving in big spaces of, of you know, fighting social evils, but even then, to still see people, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, it's the entry point to the big things, too. Yeah. This was good. Well, I'm glad we had a chance to at least think about it. And uh, many people who are listening have issues that they can address and speak to. And God bless them in it. Each one. Well, there you have it. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.